0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in
1: Tuscaloosa. Another beautiful day in Alabama. Might get a little hot. James Van, the weatherman, says close to 90, so uh, got to believe that. But anyway, it is still a beautiful day. and Football is here. Fall is here. And we are rambling on big noon sports. Lars Anderson, of course, is my co-host my partner and then there's uh justin jones hey justin leave the show with you what's going on in your world i love to just catch you with your mic
2: (laughs) nothing nothing much i'm planning for a busy weekend i know matt we got the post game show on saturday i'm going to a uh thomas rett concert on thursday in birmingham and then talladega on sunday so i'm just trying to get rest while i can right now before i'm non-stop all weekend Oh, did we lose you, Lars? Are you still there? Of course. uh, The second I jump in here to the show, we we lose both Matt and Lars. Um, We're going to work on getting them back together. I think what we'll do is just throw in some music real quick. Give me just a second, and then we'll get Matt and Lars back and continue Big Noon Sports.
1: internet and on telephones. I mean, you just, if you don't have it, Lars, you're like lost in the entire world. You can't communicate. You can't talk. You can't look anything up. It's uh, its almost uh, how fragile we are and connected. It's, it's almost embarrassing.
3: You know, I was telling a friend of mine this morning when I uh, left New York and left the Sports Illustrated offices and moved down here to Alabama one of my biggest concerns was not having an IT person at my beck and call <laughs> right who could no just kidding. And, and 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 so now yeah when the internet goes down I essentially and like most people who work remotely they can't do their job <laughs> you know uh, there's uh, there's certain things that sort I, I can do you can do but uh, fundamentally, you just have to stay connected. But hey, the good thing is uh, we got it up and, and going, and it didn't uh, wasn't the old AOL dial-up, right? Where it oh, would take God. fifteen minutes to get so, connected
1: and it would make all those weird sounds. Yeah, like yeah. A fax machine, used. To. <laughs> fax machines. How dated is that? <laughs> I uh, I visited a person's business the other day, and they had a fax machine. And I went, that's great. Uh, keep it right there. Uh, and I think they actually used it occasionally. I guess now when you scan and send faxes, it's a, it's a little bit more understandable. But uh, now that you can just copy, paste, and send, uh, it, it really doesn't matter that much. But, uh, you know, we were uh, experiencing some problems with my Wi-Fi around here uh, just a couple of weeks ago. You guys probably recall because I couldn't get on for a while. But uh, so I called my provider, which is Spectrum. I'll reserve comment because I have ups and downs with them, certainly. But, um, I called them and I said, Look, this is really, really important. I, I'm, I'm doing my job. I'm doing a radio show. And, he, and they very calmly said, Sir, 60% of our customers are working from home. <laughs> in other words, you ain't anything special because you've got a radio show.
3: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, Hey, you know, I was uh just scanning about uh, scanning some stories this morning and then the New York Post is just infatuated with Alabama and uh, the Post ran a piece about uh, Alabama and their betting odds to win the national championship and right now Alabama is uh plus 5000 to win the college football playoff uh, according to bet MGM sportsbook and that gives Alabama the 12th best odds to win the national title and and what they're saying in this story is you know what you might want to buy this right now because uh you could make a case that this is a this is a a time to you know, put some money on Alabama because the odds are so long. Because you know they still have Nick Saban, they still have star players up and down defense, the lineup. Defense, defense, defense. defense. Uh, they're fifteen and a half point favorites on the road against Mississippi State, um, and I think uh, a convincing win over the Bulldogs. You'll see uh, Alabama's odds go up, right, to to win the t- national title. But then after that, you just look at the schedule. They travel to Texas A&M in week six, but then they get the benefit. They got Arkansas, LSU, and Tennessee all at home. And uh, and I think the the game with LSU on November 4th is essentially going to be a college football playoff elimination game. Um and then, you know, you uh have to Alabama would have to navigate Auburn, of course, and then uh most likely Georgia in the SEC championship game to get into the college football playoff, but they're capable of doing it. They have the talent, um, and they just need to uh get more consistent play, as we've talked about, at the quarterback position. Uh, but the good thing is I believe, in the second half of the game on Saturday, it's like Alabama and Jalen Milroe, they figured out who they are, right? And uh, and I think Jalen is going to play to his strengths, and I think the play calling is going to uh, play to his strengths as well. I mean, one thing, you know, he, his intermediate passing game is not great, right? We all know that. But, man, he throws a beautiful deep ball, and, and, and an accurate deep ball. Does that and make so, sense,
1: though? Let me just stop right there. You can hit a guy 45 yards down the field, but then you have trouble with 15. Is that a yeah. Chuck Knoblock thing? Uh,
3: <laughs> well, I think it's a, it's a uh, reading the defense thing because you've seen uh, on his interceptions this year, he's just locked in on one guy right and and it's and it's it's the corners and safeties who are reading his eyes and uh and he needs to get off of that first read or if he wants to make that if he if he believes that his first read is going to be open you know shift your eyes to the other side of the field and then come back right because that will freeze the safety and the corner and uh and and give you a better chance of say hitting you know that like 10 yard out route um but uh uh, you know he's he's got the arm and he, he has shown accuracy he is uh so dynamic with the ball in his hands uh and he's i mean he's he's electrifying as a as a runner i mean he's he's a, he's an exciting exciting player um but i and i still think you know there's work to do of uh building the offense and catering it to his specific skill set right because his skill set is so different than Simpson and Buckner, and now that they have, uh, they've, you know, flat out said that Jalen Milrow is the guy. um, I think you'll just see the offense again be more tailored to him. And I, I was surprised actually yesterday, Matt, at what Jeff Spiegel told us that he believed. That Ty Simpson was going to come out and start the second half of the game, and yeah. uh, and and I, I would I, that did not enter my mind at all, just because Nick Saban was so definitive at that press conference now eight days ago, which I think we're going to remember at the end of the season here as a real important moment. But at that press conference, when he just said Jalen Milroe is our guy and he's our guy moving forward. And that was a very, you know, definitive statement that uh, he's he's going to stick with him. And he didn't want Jalen looking over his shoulder. And I think it paid off so much because, again, I mentioned this yesterday, in the Texas game, Jalen was a different player after he threw that first interception. It's like he couldn't get over it. And, and in the uh, game on Saturday against Ole Miss... Well, guess what? Now he knows that he's not, there's no fear of getting benched. He throws the interception and he just moves on and he plays a, a brilliant second half. And in that second half, as we talked about, um, he I think there was a, the, 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 a signature play, right? The long touchdown pass where he just got absolutely lit up and he knew he was gonna get lit up by that uh, old missed defender and you know him jumping up uh, after being on the ground uh why, it really uh, as we said in our podcast it was like in a the jerry Maguire moment when rod tidwell the wide receiver catches the ball and everybody's worried that he's going to be hurt and jerry's running out of the tunnel to get to him and and uh, then he pops up you know and the crowd goes crazy and it was uh, that moment
2: Again, we're battling some issues here at the Tide 109 studios with Big Noon Sports. But conveniently, it is about time for our first break. So we'll go ahead and hit a break. And when we come back, we'll have Matt and Lars continuing their discussion with um, Alabama football, what's coming up this weekend with Mississippi State, um, as well as Jalen Milroe and the rest of the team. Thank you so much for listening to uh, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports.
3: Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker At thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny this afternoon will maintain the chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through tonight. The high today 85, tonight's low 68. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers, possibly a thunderstorm. The high 85. I'm James Spann of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon
1: Sports brought to you by presented by haley sansing union home mortgage lars and i went out and visited her last week what a delightful person and she can sure as heck help you all right get in touch with her hey lars heard something this morning that uh, i thought was really really cool Saturday produced the highest total television ratings in the history of what my dad used to call the idiot box. In the history of television, more people watched college football. And when you stop and think about the lineup, Florida State-Clemson started at 11. Then at 2.30, you had Alabama-Ole Miss, and I believe that's when Colorado-Oregon started as well. And then you had an unbelievable nightcap. With Ohio State and Notre Dame literally going down to the last second and the last inch of the field. And all combined, it was just an astronomical number of people watching college football. And then I later heard as kind of a footnote to that story that the NFL is now getting unbelievable ratings. And I guess that could lead to last night. And what I wanted to mention about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, when he was first a starter at Alabama, was accused of a lot of the same things that Bama fans are talking about with Milroe. And understandably so. Hurts had a hard time checking down, had a hard time with the reads. Last night, Hurts, three or four times, checked one, two, three, four, and then went back to two or three. It was just amazing to see his readability and what he could do once he got in the pocket and then once he adjusted in the pocket to continue to find open receivers and he could have he could have run seconds into it and and picked up big yardage but no he was going to throw the football and then he would complete them and I just marveled at how good he was last night and it made me think, patience like Saban says is really a virtue now when it comes to Jalen Milrow.
3: Yeah and um, with Jalen Hurts you know he's not playing his best ball right now. Uh, He had a couple interceptions but you're exactly right. I mean you know just the way that he is seeing the field is just uh, I- incredible for the most part. Again, not, not his best game last night. And what's scary for the rest of the NFC is that the Eagles haven't even come close to playing their best football, and they're 3-0. and I mean, <laughs> this Eagles team, to me, they, they look like... Uh, I know everybody's really high on San Francisco, uh, but I, I would take uh, Jalen Hurts over Brock purdy every single day. And, uh, and, and just you know i don't think i've ever seen a quarterback improve as much as jalen hurts has from when he was a freshman at alabama to what he was you know it last year and in the super bowl and continues to be i mean he is just uh really an incredible football player and that's just i think is a testament to his hard work um, I think it uh, it was really smart for him to transfer to Oklahoma and be under the tutelage of Lincoln Riley uh, for two seasons. Was it two seasons, I think, uh, or maybe it was one. I don't remember, two. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, Matt, is there a quarterback in your mind who has uh, made as big of strides as Jalen Hurts?
2: It looks like we lost – Matt Lost Matt. Okay. Um but I would throw I think up until this season a lot of people would have said Josh Allen. But he's Absolutely. kind of he's kind of fallen off.
3: Yeah, um Josh Allen, you know, when I was when I wrote that uh the quarterback whisper with Bruce Arians, Bruce was adamant that Accuracy can't be taught after a certain age. And to him, the, the marker is like by the time you're essentially a sophomore in college, you either have it or you don't. And, uh, in, in Josh Allen, he didn't really have it when he was playing at, uh, Wyoming. But he had, you know, the, the big arm and everything. But man, he has come on and he's still, he still tries to be Superman out there too much and he takes a lot of big hits and you know, you can do that when you're a younger player and, and, and as big as he is, but he's gotta, he's gotta be smarter about protecting himself. Otherwise his career is going to be cut short. And, uh, in, in, but with Jalen, I mean, it, it's just. It is just so remarkable the, the, uh, improvement he has made with his accuracy, his ability to see the field, his understanding of what defenses are doing to him. But, um, I also want to go back to what Matt was just talking about, about, uh, the, uh, the Nielsen ratings for college football this last weekend. Uh, the number one, uh, the most watched game, and this really shouldn't come as a surprise. It was all about Dion Sanders, right? And the most watched game was the blowout. Colorado Out, Oregon had 10, 10 million, uh, 10.03 million, uh, which is crazy. Uh, and then you have Ohio State, Notre Dame had 9.98 million viewers. Uh, Florida State-Clemson, 6.71. The fourth most-watched game was Ole Miss at Alabama with 4.61 mil. Fifth watch was Iowa at Penn State, 2.75. Then you have sixth, uh, USC at Arizona State. Seven was Texas at Baylor. Eight, Arkansas at LSU. Nine, Auburn at Texas A&M. And ten was Oklahoma at Cincinnati, and even that game garnered two point one seven million. So, uh, just uh, a, a a great slate of college football games. And you know what? The nation watched. What, what, what was your favorite game of the weekend, Justin?
2: I think um, definitely the Alabama game, probably. I mean, that's a little biased. but I also liked, of course, in the NFL watching Tua, because I've been a firm Tua believer. Uh, despite the the uh, popular opinion to like hate on him for no reason, so I was so happy to see him kind of prove people wrong, and and go out there and dismantle the Broncos.
3: Yeah, um, I really enjoyed that uh, Ohio State Notre Dame game. And just the, the gritty performance by Notre Dame, or excuse me, Ohio State coming back and winning the game on the, winning it on the last play of the game just with brute force up the middle. Um and I just want to- But they're not thin-
1: physical enough.
3: Uh, Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, is is fact-checking me. And uh, she just texted me that uh, Jalen was at Oklahoma for one year as a graduate transfer. Yes, and and, you know what? We've had this debate. Is Jalen more – do Alabama fans have more of a right to claim him or do Oklahoma fans have more of a right to claim him? I would argue that Alabama fans do. What do you think about that one, Matt? They had
1: him longer. You know, does that make a difference?
3: Well uh, we uh, had a Alabama had him longer.
1: Right, was, right.
3: Yeah. And he and he graduated from Alabama. He's an Alabama graduate. Yeah, but he got his
1: master's at
3: OU. Is that correct? Yeah, I think he did. Laura Label. Yeah, Laura Le Laura Lee will get she'll she'll figure that out, yes. Yeah, she'll get out the bottom of that. But um yeah, so hey, why don't we try to uh fix some of our technical issues? Let's take a break here. And uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker at the com. That's Laura Lee at the dot com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker Three, seven, six. From T Town
4: to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Indeed, it's Big Noon Sports. Carrie Clark's our guest in a moment. Lars, you had one little addition to our previous um, conversation.
3: Yes, I just have to talk again about the swift effect. The Taylor Swift effect on Travis Uh-oh, Kelsey let's, let's and the NFL. That. No, I'm serious. This is, this is unbelievable. No, I, Matt, this is unbelievable. I don't know. Forty percent, four hundred percent increase in jersey sales, and added more than three hundred thousand followers uh, to his social. And I i think, look, the the, uh, the Swift Kelsey situation absolutely upstage the fact that it was announced that Usher will perform at the halftime of the Super Bowl. And just wait, Sunday night, Sunday night, there's going to be millions and millions of young people who don't give a crap about the NFL. They're going to tune in to watch Kansas City and Kelsey and Will Taylor Swift be there play the Jets. I'm telling you, this may be the highest-rated game in NFL history, and it's because of Taylor Swift.
1: Just for a shot and a glimpse of her in a luxury suite cursing is that what all these people are watching for?
3: Yeah. Well, if she, whatever she's interested in, whatever she is interested in, her fans are interested in. You know, it, it, it is... Uh, it's really incredible. And now there's rumors. Is her
1: popularity higher than the Beatles? Uh, it's, I mean, it's, in it's, terms it's, of it's, numbers, it's, I think you'd have to say yes. But yes. In terms of uh, percentage. Uh,
3: I, more I don't know.
1: With Taylor Swift as a percentage, um, as were the Beatles
3: in 63. I think I, that I don't know. I wasn't around in 63. But, um I do like, like she it, it appears that there was so Taylor was in Kelsey's suite at Arrowhead Stadium and you know the cameras caught her up there obviously cheering on and then when uh, Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown she yells let's effing go and uh, she's there with the uh, sitting next to Travis Kelsey's mom. And so, uh, people were waiting outside of the suite for her to emerge. Right, camera phones ready, uh, ready to record. And they, she never did. But what did it come out, and nobody noticed at the time, was a popcorn machine that had a big, a big popcorn machine that had a cover over it. And 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 that's. <laughs> I'm telling you that I bel- everybody is saying that that is how she got out undetected it's magic
1: <laughs> pulling Taylor Swift out of a popcorn box
3: yeah and apparently wow. how she how she gets out of concerts is uh she hides in like a uh, a custodian cart and they have one of her bodyguards dressed up as a custodian to push her out yeah <laughs>
1: That's that. First of all, that's that's the most clever or is it cleverest? Help me, Mr. (laughs) Graham. That is the most interesting part about this story to me. I am not infatuated with I I worry about some of these people that are just well, I, what are they I, called? You, Swifties? Swifties. I think you, they, they you, kind you of should lost listen. their
3: minds. I, I I've started listening to her music and it's really good. She is good. She's talented and she does all the stuff on her own. Uh there's a documentary that she did that was on her sort of commissioned by her, but uh, that follows her around and it, it is so revealing and she has so much talent. I have so much respect for her because of the, the, the work that she puts in. And, uh, you know, she is, uh, she's the real deal. And I, I can understand why she has this, um, this following that is just, uh, unbelievable. It's like the, <laughs> the world's fifth largest economy is Taylor Swift. I mean, it's crazy. Well, okay, and she, and she and she sold out Arrowhead Stadium twice, and it must have been pretty surreal for her to be up in the box, right? She's up like in the nosebleeds and looking down, and she's got to be like, oh my gosh, like all these people came to see me twice. I mean, I'm sure it was just a uh, just a different kind of experience for her, and uh, and and also. The, I don't know if you saw this too. Once all the Kansas City players saw Taylor Swift up in Travis Kelsey's box, they were just like, oh my God, oh my God, Taylor Swift's Are here. Are you kidding me? Yo, even Patrick Mahomes. And then I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way. The Bears have no chance. They have no chance.
1: Is it like, let's win with the I mean, Swifties? <laughs> yes,
3: yes. Yes. This is, cra- is crazy. I mean, I thought. no, you, you got to see the video. Uh, it's, it's on There's a TikTok of it. And all the players, it's like they are just like what it's before the game. They're out kind of stretching. They're not even in uniforms yet. And they look up in the box and there she is. And they are just they're starstruck. And uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, my my buddy, Carrie Estes, he texted me. Uh like midway through the game. And he's like, oh, man, I didn't know Taylor Swift was going to be there. Because uh, he actually, I- I'm embarrassed to say this, he-, he convinced me to take Chicago, getting 11 and a half points or something. Oh, so-, so
1: now not only are you losing it, but you're blaming it on somebody, <laughs> calling them out on air. Lars, yes. your gambling is out of control.
3: <laughs> oh, it was you're- $10. It was $10. It was $10. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: yeah, no. It was, we were uh, talking this much about Taylor Swift, but
3: all right. It's a, the effect is real. I'm just saying it's going to be the highest rated game in the NFL most watch this, and it's a dud of a game. Kansas City is going to destroy the Jets. We all know that, and but it's going to be, get the highest ratings I believe in NFL history for a regular season game. All right.
1: Throughout all this, you have convinced me of one thing. Because as we talk about often on Big Noon Sports. Um, we are both crazy about music and virtually all genres. Um, yes. There are a few that I really, really, I don't like the old, old, real, real twangy country and uh, not a big fan of rap. But if you like it, then I'm going to listen to it. I haven't avoided Taylor Swift, uh, but I haven't tried to listen to So. Uh, I've got a lot of windshield time this afternoon. Got to drive over to Odenville, get a little barbecue. So I'm going to put some Taylor Swift on. Everybody can't be wrong here. The no. millions and millions I that mean, follow her. I just yeah. thought it was a genre that I wouldn't
3: like. No, Matt, you if you back it. If yes. you back it, then I'll listen. Yeah, you, you got to give it. You got to give her a try. And because I, I was the same way. I was skeptical and uh, but I've been listening to her for the last like week or so and it's good. It's really good. She is uh she has just tapped into something very powerful. Oh. And it it's not just like, you know, teenage girls. It's not. No. Like, I, <laughs> she's from
1: all right, as long as we're doing this, deep dive away. <laughs> she is um thirty three. She is from West Reading, Pennsylvania. That's um, the... She's now in Nashville. I know she has a huge, huge beach home in, like, Delaware or something. Did you read about... No, Connecticut. I'm not even sure Delaware has an front, but... Uh, but De- because yeah, she got into trouble for doing something to the house that wasn't up to code along the beach. Oh. And then the other thing that I remember about her is it seems that... Everyone says, and I haven't listened, okay, that'll that'll change. I'll have an update tomorrow. But uh, she, in my view, is always writing about failed relationships and, in some cases, how bad guys are. Am I way off base?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, she writes very personal. I mean, she's a gifted songwriter. Right. Okay. I love the I love the fact that she writes her own songs mm-hmm. and she's really obviously a gifted singer, live performer. Um, she is relatable. Right. Because of her personality and her music, it crosses over uh, uh, genres and generations. And uh, there is just, it, it is, it's really hard to uh, sort of understand what her mass appeal is. But, um, you know, uh, her album Midnights, which was released late in 2022, it sold like 1.8 million copies, right? I mean, it's just, uh, uh, it, 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 it's crazy. Um, and she just, she has a really good ear. In terms of how words fit together and her songs, uh, they, uh, they convey a feeling that makes you imagine that you are sort of, the, you are the songwriter yourself. You know, and it, it's just a. She's a great way of just telling stories and creating characters, and she uh, writes songs that take place at one moment, and then she writes songs where the um uh, the the verses give you like a series of events. I mean, she's just. I'm telling you, she is just very, very gifted at um at, at just drawing you in, and you feel like you're kind of like in a way. You know, I, my favorite st- type of storytelling is put-you-there journalism. Like, I want the reader to be feeling that they're right next to Tom Brady in a scene from his childhood, right? That they're in the room. And that's what she does with her songs. It's like you're right there with her. There's like a sense of empathy that you feel. And well, it's, right. uh oh yeah, God. okay, I'll, I'll stop. I can, I can go yeah, on. i really but, going on a little <laughs> Swifty tirade here. I'd like to
1: get back to some football if I yeah. Okay. Okay. All, right. okay. All right. Now, but quickly, more info, and then we're going to bring on Carrie. She was named after James Taylor. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Uh, her grandmother was a an opera singer. Um, okay. All right. I'll listen to her. Right now, we'll, we'll get the opinion from Carrie Clark, who it's a partner of mine on the weekend, longtime broadcaster and writer in the city of Tuscaloosa. Appreciate him joining us. Um,
5: hey, you want to weigh in on this Taylor Swift commentary, Kerry? How are you? I'm doing well. All I will say is I did not know she was named after James Taylor. That's that's impressive. Good fun fact. I, I, I didn't either. That is a good fun
1: fact. Um. Yeah, she had very affluent parents. You ought to see the house she grew up in; it's just absolutely beautiful. One of those uh, old colonial old Pennsylvania homes, because it was in Pennsylvania. All right, uh, Carrie, do you listen to her on a regular basis? That's the only question I'm going to ask you about her. No, sir. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to try it at Laura's suggestion. All right, uh, let's get your view. We talked. You and I talked about it extensively at walk-ons Saturday evening. But uh, for those that didn't hear you then, go over particularly first half versus second half with Alabama
5: and their win overall Miss. It was a tale of two halves. It was the worst of times. It was the best of times. What I saw in the first half, I felt like it was a flashback of the 1982 Alabama season that ended up in Bear Bryant's resignation. Uh, as is so eloquently pointed out in the book, Chasing the Bear, which I was happy to review a few years ago. Thank you, Lars. Uh, wow, but, thank you for that. So You're welcome. And uh, But in the second half, I saw a team that looked like a typical saving team. A team that lined up and hit the other team in the mouth, not just on offense, but on defense as well. Anytime I'm going to tell you what, you can play against a Lane Kiffin offense 50 times and if you hold them to ten every time, you're either gonna go fifteen oh or forty nine one. And by holding them to ten points the way Alabama did throughout the game, it was just it was it was incredible. I would have never, never I think I picked a score of something like thirty one to twenty four and I was I was off a bit. But uh, the way that Alabama lined up in the second half on offense and defense was reminiscent of a typical saving team and it was encouraging to see last year it was much later in the season last year the Ole miss game was somewhat of a turnaround for alabama on offense and, and maybe that will be the case this year even though it was earlier in the season but lane kiffin for some reason he has a way of bringing out the best in alabama's system. i'm sure it didn't hurt having pete golding on, on the headsets over there but lane himself is, is the man in charge and you know, you wonder how many losses it's going to take by Lane Kiffin to Nick Saban before people keep wanting him to be his successor. Hopefully this was the one that put the final nail on his Alabama coffin.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. And his uh, social media sh- shenanigans uh, aren't helping his cause with the Alabama fan base. Um, what Were you surprised, let's go back to last week, last monday nick saban comes out as a press conference and says Jalen milroe has earned the right to be the starter and he certainly suggested in in forceful language that he is the starter moving forward one were you surprised by that and then two did did, was there any question in your mind that jalen would start the second half after struggling in the first half were you expecting to see ty simpson and uh, and also just, you know, your general thoughts on how the quarterback situation has been managed.
5: Part one of the question, I was very surprised, Lars, that he made that announcement so early in the week because that's not typically how he operates. Normally he would say that the competition is ongoing and we'll let you know Saturday who's starting. It's not what he did. He uh, looked at the tape and he evaluated the situation, and he got up there at the Press Conference Monday, and I was blown away that he did that. Part two, on on the second half thing, I feel like that they don't trust either of the backups to win an SEC game at this point in time. Yes, it was interesting that they used Ty Simpson on the two-point conversion, and he was successful on that, but that was the only play he played. I feel like even though that, that Milro, in my estimation, going into the game, was the lesser of three evils at quarterback for Alabama, which is not something you say often, I feel he was the lesser of three evils, but at the same time, he was the lesser of three evils. So I feel like that Saban felt like he did not have a choice but to play in the second half because, frankly, Lars and Matt, that's who the team wants out there. They haven't allowed either of the other two guys to win the huddle or the locker room. They have allowed Milro to do that, and he's done that. And because of that, he's, he's the one in charge and also, to a lesser degree, the fact that he has the most experience.
1: Is that what finally pushed Saban to name him as a starter? Is it because the, the team wanted him?
5: Partially, but also the fact that when, you, when they looked at the tape, he was – I hate to beat this dead horse, but he was the lesser of three evils. He, you know, as, as bad as he played in the Texas game, they saw things in that game like two touchdowns taken off the board and the ability to hit the long ball, the ability to scramble for yardage, the ability to make uh, the change move on design quarterback runs that are free calls, And all those things were taken into account when the decision was made to play him. And all those things were taken into account by Tommy Reeves when he made the game plan for Ole Miss. Several things were taken out of the offense. It was simplified. We always used to hear about Jeremy Pruitt simplifying the defense. Well, Tommy Reese simplified the offense against Ole Miss, and they got the 24 points they needed to win the game, and, and the rest is history. But they made things easier for Milro on Reed. Uh, they took several plays out of the playbook that he had struggled on, and as a result, he played with more confidence and at least in the second half, more execution. Hey,
1: on the note, the locker room, winning the quarterback, um, was there dissension? Is there dissension among this football team?
5: Uh, not at the quarterback position. No. They all want Milro. He's their guy. You know, he's the one that took the receivers to Tampa over the summer on his own. And he's he's the one that's been there the longest. Uh, he's the one that's been through more seven-on-sevens and more scrimmages and more practices and more uh, even sitting on the sidelines of the games. They, they all know him. They all wanted him. The only hint of dissension I'm aware of, Matt, occurred in the quarterback room itself when Tommy Reese, a couple weeks ago, well, after the Texas game, asked Milrose to explain some of the reads he made and he was unable to explain them and there was a little verbal tete a tete between the offensive coordinator and the quarterback and that got back to Sabin and I believe that had a whole lot to do with Milro not playing in Tampa. So that's I've had that from more than one source. I don't I'm not gonna use the word suspension, but in effect that's what it was.
3: Yeah, I still I still don't understand what happened in Tampa. I mean that was the most alarming performance of a Nick Saban, Alabama team that I've ever seen. I mean, and this goes There's all Law the way Monroe back Monroe to
1: the
3: I, I think it was but then, look that the, Nick Saban was still building the team, right? When they lost yeah. to Law Monroe but this How team I, I'm telling you that well, this is my opinion that what transpired in Tampa it suggested to me that there's big-time locker room issues. And it, is, it, is it too much of a stretch to say that the players were ticked off, that Jalen wasn't starting?
5: No, I don't think it's a stretch at all. And I think you saw that on the lack of effort on the play that we were zoomed out on due to weather issues uh, with uh, Jermaine Burton on the long touchdown pass that if he had made more of an effort to catch it instead of letting it sail between his fingertips, who knows who'd be the quarterback right now.
3: Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Moving forward, how do you see Tommy Reese continuing to develop and tailor the offense to Jalen's skill set? Because it seems to me, look, the other two guys, Buckner and Simpson, they are very, very different players than Milrow, right? And so now that the offense, now that it's been decided that Jalen's the guy, how how moving forward is is Tommy Reese going to tailor the offense to him?
5: I think it's going to be a rinse and repeat of what we saw in stole Miss, Lawrence. I think you're going to see design quarterback run. I think you're going to see more deep balls than normal. And I think you're going to see an emphasis on the running game, especially now that at least in the second half of the Ole Miss game, the offensive line decided to get out their, uh behind and do some blocking. And Jason McClellan erupted in that half and in that game, really. And the prior week, Roydale Williams erupted. So we know they can block when they have to. I don't know why it took this long this season for that to come out. But I think you'll see more design runs by the running backs. I think you'll see... More design runs by the quarterback. I think to see more deep throws, and then they'll add a wrinkle or two at some point, like maybe bubble screens, things like that, that they know he can complete. What he's got to work on, and what he showed signs of improvement on, was mid-range. Uh, the Ole Miss game was the first time I would seen Millrow complete any mid-range passes, and he had two or three in that game. And I was like, "Wow, who's this guy?" But he did it, and. That will be a smaller part of the game plan because that's not his strength. But again, you know, deep throws, design quarterback runs, and more, more of a just pound it type philosophy. And they're playing a team this weekend that they should be able to pound on the running game. I
1: agree. Um, Gary, tell everybody where they can uh, read you and hear you throughout the week. Well, I'm uh,
5: just making a transition to being the Alabama beat reporter for Tide 100.9 FM, so I'll have some stories on there. Uh, this is currently my final week at com because of my pending job change Monday to come full-time at Tide. And uh, as far as hearing me, on Friday nights, they can hear my high school shows from 6 to 9 and 10 to 11. And on Saturday nights, they can hear you and I and Mark McGriff. Two hours after the Bama game as
1: we wrap things up on the Tide postgame show. Lots of fun, too. I I enjoy working together uh, again as we, uh, many, many years ago, I guess we worked a little bit together. Anyway, Kerry, thank you, sir, and uh, I'll see you later this week.
5: All right, Matt. Thanks y'all for having me.
1: You bet. Indeed. Lars, when you started the show and talking about odds on Alabama winning a national championship, I had a really, really good question for you and our audience, and I want to pose that to you in just a couple of minutes as you listen to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage.
0: Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show.
1: Coming up Wednesday morning on the Gary Harris Show at 9 a.m. on Tide
5: 100.9 FM. The NASCAR Report with Matt Coulter plus the Bama Football Recruiting Report with Andrew Bone. And we'll have a guest from Mississippi to preview the Alabama-Mississippi
0: State game from the Bulldogs' perspective. All that and more coming up Wednesday on the Gary Harris Show. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny this afternoon will maintain the chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through tonight. The high today, 85. Tonight's low, 68. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers, possibly a thunderstorm. The high, 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's
4: 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: It is Big Noon Sports. Matt, Lars, thanks to Kerry Clark, and also Justin Jones is our producer of Big Noon Sports. Hey, real quick, what were the odds of Alabama winning the national championship according to the New York Times?
3: Uh, it was a New York Post and story, and it was uh, according to MGM. They have the uh, they're they're plus five thousand, which makes them the uh, number twelve. They're they're the twelfth. They have the twelfth okay. best odds to win the okay. national so championship. What does
1: that mean? Plus five thousand.
3: As far as betting, I mean, if you bet a hundred dollars,
1: <laughs> how much would you win? Uh,
3: you know what? You're gonna have to. Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that.
1: <laughs> oh well now I see why you're failing well, miserably at the old gambling game. Well no, I, I yeah. Um, you, 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 yeah. I'm joking with you. I, I it's just understand. a lot easier when you bet games I understand. I just bet mean. I just I bet you understand them. I
3: I so yeah. I I I basically it like he went a lot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They again it's a, what is important here is that they're the twelfth the, the, they're number twelve in terms of favorites to win the national championship, and the point of the story was that you can get a really good value. And well, I, I'll explain. I'll, hey, I'll explain all this on the other side. I mean, I—it's I, it, it's a little bit complicated. 11,
1: the other eleven in front of them. I'd like to know. Yeah, yeah. Inquiring minds want to know on Big news Sports. Back in a minute. It's the Tide
0: 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Woo! In cash every weekday, 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code.
5: 667. Again, that's 667. The code is...
1: Six, six, seven. Enter that code now
0: on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30k payday button and enter the code for a chance to win
4: $30,000. More Big Noon Sports coming up.
1: Yeah, like coming up right now, Big Men Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. It's Matt Lars, Justin Jones, our producer. We're talking about uh, gambling. Do you remember, Lars, like 20, 30 years ago? ago? You wouldn't talk about this on a radio show. You didn't talk about it on television. You didn't talk about odds. You stayed away from talking about point spreads and favorites. But now it's all a part of the lifestyle. You see the commercials on television all the time. You hear people talking about it and they do entire TV shows now talking about where and when to place your bets and overs and unders and propositions. All right. Now that I've over explained that <laughs> 5,000 Alabama plus 5,000. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 5, 000, yeah. All right. So,
3: yeah, you, you, I, 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 you, you caught me a little flat footed there in uh, at the end of the, uh, the end of the hour. Um, and uh, I, I fumbled the explanation. So. If you're going to bet $10, and put this in context, according to like the MGM sports book, Alabama, the odds of Alabama winning the national championship are plus 5,000 odds. And so, and that makes them the 12th team. uh, They have the 12th best odds of any team in the country right now to win the national title. So if you're to bet 10 bucks on plus 5,000, you would win, if Alabama wins a national championship, you win $500. You bet $100, you'd win a, a 5,000, right? Yeah, you bet 100, you win 5,000. You bet 200, you win 10,000. $200 bet with a chance of winning 10,000 is pretty good. However, the implied win probability that the bookmakers have, right? The, the implied win probability of plus 5,000 is 1.96 percent so vegas is saying right now alabama has a 1.96 percent chance of winning the national title
1: and that exactly works out mathematically as to why it's 50 to one yeah and why don't they just say 50 to one there must be some other part of this that i don't quite understand but if you bet ten dollars at the track on Anderson's volleyball to win, you will <laughs> <laughs> win five hundred dollars. Bet, bet it on the nose. That is so. Yeah. And you know, I don't know much about it with baseball. What if a team is plus one sixty? Does that mean if you bet one hundred, you'll make one sixty? Justin, we need to get a gambler.
2: Yeah, yeah, We, do, yeah, we, we can't. We can't
3: ask questions that. Uh,
2: I, I think. Plus 160, I think it's different when you're around. talking about games. Like, I think that's that's like points, right? Yeah. Not much of a gambler either, so I, I don't know.
1: Well, baseball yeah. is different. I, I, I at least know that. I've never put a dime on a baseball game. I might have bet a beer or something, but um, I, I don't quite understand when out to the side it'll say plus 160. And I think that's if you bet 100, you went – Win
3: 160, which is to less than one to one odds. So our next guest will know exactly the answers to all these questions.
1: Tony Curry is a rambling, gambling man. <laughs> <laughs> he is indeed. I know the first part, very much true. But anyway, <laughs> all right, as long as we're talking about that, it just rolls. What a great segue to my next little topic here, Lars. Alabama is at Mississippi State. Double-check my figures here, but I, I think I'm correct. The Tide is a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, if I were a guy that would put a nickel down, I'd be all over Alabama. Then they probably cover by 14. But the really interesting one, Lars, I can kind of understand that. You're on the road. You're a favorite. Mississippi State's not you know, top of the SEC. But how about Georgia? Fourteen and a half at Auburn. What do you
3: that, that? I have a feeling on that. What about you? Well, that the obvious. It's, you got to take Georgia. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know rivalry game. Uh, that I that that, that does not that does not look no. right. That does not I look right. I did hear a
1: report earlier today that Georgia is really really banged up. And that's one thing we all know. Odds makers will take that into account, and they will adjust the line. So I wonder if that's not why it's so low. But even if they've got some injuries, they're so good and they're so deep. I would still take Georgia.
3: Yeah, um, Auburn showed last week that they have a ways to go, right? Especially on offense. Uh, I think they they can run the ball. And, uh, and I don't know. If I'm Hugh Freeze, I, I, I roll with Ashford. I try to, I, I would start him, um, and just see what you could do. Because against Georgia, you're going to want to, uh, two clock, limit possessions, uh, shorten the game and, you know, win, uh, special teams, try to win turnover battle. Make it uh, kind of a a slugfest, not a track meet, and see if you can, you know, gut out a a victory. uh, Kind of between the tackles. I mean, that's and that's not really Hugh Freeze's style. But you got to play to the strengths of your players, right? You got to tailor the game plan to what your players can do. And uh, throwing the ball down the field is not. A strength <laughs> when Auburn is playing an SEC team, uh, we saw what they are, who they are last week. So, um, I, yeah, that doesn't uh, that doesn't seem that does that seems like a really strange line to me.
1: Hey, before we bring Tony Curry on here in a minute, uh, what did you think about last night Monday Night Football? Uh, you had the Eagles over the Bucks, twenty-five to eleven, and your Bengals. Held on to win nineteen sixteen uh, by the toe, the pride of Fort Payne.
3: Yeah, uh, Evan McPherson. He missed a fifty-six yarder uh, at the start of the game, but then came back and and was uh, money clutch. Uh, and you know, Joe Burrow is clearly hurt, and uh, it's his right calf strain. We don't know if it's, uh, the, the, the severity of it, but he aggravated it last week at the end of the game, uh, in week two. And there was question all the way up to kickoff, whether or not he was going to play. And, um, you know, he ended up going out there. And the thing is he, because it's his right calf. You know, when he's throw, all power comes – when you're throwing the ball, comes from your legs and especially that right leg because – it's your calf muscle because that is your launch leg, right? And, uh, and, and Joe just uh, – his body is off and so he really has trouble throwing the ball down the field. He can't scramble. And so he can't really protect himself. And that's such a huge part of his game is his uh, maneuverability in the pocket, buying more time, making plays off script. He can't do that right now because of the injury. And so what the Bengals did, they just went and shotgun uh, the, the entire night and they had Joe just acting like a point guard and getting the ball out of his hands. I think the average was in like 2.1 seconds. You know, and so he's not really pushing the ball down the field, but he's just uh, it's just timing short stuff with uh, with his receivers and tied in. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of ugly, uh, but uh, it worked. And the, the defense played well enough for for them to win. And the Rams, they're a, a shell of what they were when they won the Super Bowl. I mean, they, they're, they're missing Cooper Cup, who's out with an injury. They really don't have a ton of talent on the edge. Um, and, uh, and Aaron Donald is getting a little bit older, although he was a pretty uh, impressive last night. And, uh, but it was a big win for the Bengals who are 0 and 2. And now they're 1 and 2 going into Tennessee next week. And we'll see if Burrow, if his health improves. But interestingly, Aaron Rodgers has had this injury before. And he texted Joe before the game, uh, just telling him, hey, you know, just just battle, do your best. And then after the game, he said, man, you're just such a competitor. There's only a few people in the world who know what kind of pain you're in, and I'm one of them. Uh, and, you know, you just, you showed leadership and grittiness because you went out there, you did what you had to do, you got the win, and then you didn't make a big deal of the injury, right? You, you downplay it. And that's that's what leaders of the team do. And the guys in the Cincinnati locker room, they see that Joe Burrow is hurting. And he's hurting bad. And I, I've never had a calf injury, Matt. I don't know if you have. But uh, apparently it's just it's something that lingers and it's easy to aggravate. And this is something he may be dealing with for the entire season. Can you shoot it up? You really can't because it's a muscle. It seems like it seems it's a like muscle. You, you I mean, you lose the feel down there. Your plant foot.
6: So. Yeah,
3: I don't. I don't think he can. I mean, and it, it, apparently it's it's quite painful to to be playing through that, and you know, and, and, and the thing is, he's he's vulnerable out there because he can't protect himself.
1: We'll see like that, he normally see, that could. Questions why they played, you know. And my,
3: I, I agree. And and but uh, let me you ask know, you this: as we go to
1: break, yeah. did AJ McCarron dress? He
3: did, he did not. No, he okay. he did not. He's on the practice squad because okay, he is not um, on
1: their roster that I just looked up. Yeah,
3: no, he's on the practice squad. Uh, they dressed. A, a, they did dress a third quarterback, a kid named Reed Stennett, who, you, who nobody's ever heard of. But um, because they were they were worried that Joe would go down and then uh, and then the back of his Jake Browning. And then if he goes down, you know, you need that third quarterback. So they they honestly I don't think Zach Taylor and the coaching staff knew that Joe could go until right before the game.
1: Well, he gutted it out. And then uh, the toe from Fort Payne made it happen. Tony Curry, we're going to have a blast next on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing, Union Homewoods.
3: five seven nine two one eight one three that's two oh five seven nine two one eight one three let haley help you nlms number two three zero three seven six Tide
0: 100.9 tuscaloosa weather the sky partially sunny this afternoon will maintain the chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through tonight the high today 85 tonight's low 68 tomorrow a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers possibly a thunderstorm the high 85 i James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: This is the Big Noon Sports Network.
3: Welcome back in Big Noon Sports. Justin, what was your takeaway from the uh NFL games last night?
2: Um last night, we watched uh some of it when I when I got home. It, they were it was football. I think the Eagles got off to a slow start, but the Bucks, man, they're they're going to have a very long season, I think. Their defense is just not it's it's incredible because the year they won the Super Bowl, their defense was stellar, full of young players, and a lot of those guys are still there. I remember the big story was they retained everybody in the off season, yet they have not played at that same level since then. No, they
3: haven't, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think they missed the the offensive creativity that Bruce Arians brought to that team. Um, and, uh, of course I'm biased because I've, you know, essentially done two books with Bruce, but, uh, I don't know. And and I really like Todd Bowles. Um, but this is going to be his last shot, uh, at, uh, at, at maintaining a job and, and, uh, you know, Tampa Bay did start two and O and so you know they're two and one and still in really good position after three weeks but uh all right we got uh the one and only the legend tony curry with us tony how you doing today
7: The big noon sports network baby i'm so happy to be on the show what's going on
3: (laughs) well what have have you been up to man what's uh what's the latest in in your life and your career
7: Well, first of all, let's talk about that Bengals game last night. Uh, A win is a win. And I just could see the pain and suffering in one Joe Burrow's face last night after that game. You could just tell how big of a win that was and the big whiteout they had up there at Cincinnati last night. But, uh, man, what an excruciating game to watch. And, and, you know, as banged up as he is, and I know that not having training camp was a big part of that. I know he's banged up calf. Uh, The fact that he put the ball up 49 times last night should tell you that, He's still got a little bit of a push left in that leg, but uh, that was – you want to talk about a difficult game. And I don't know what the the numbers are. I know they started 0-2 last year. As a matter of fact, I think they've started 0-2 for the last five years, I think, the Bengals have. So that should tell you just about how resilient they are. And, and of course, a lot of it comes in with that line play. But I don't know how many teams have started zero and three, even in a seventeen-game schedule. How many teams have started zero and three and made the playoffs? So that was a huge victory the last night. You want know, to talk about Philadelphia, though, man? If I had to put money on on a team right now to win the Super Bowl, I, I don't care how they do it done. But Philadelphia, just from top to bottom, is just a masterful team to watch. They just do what they need to do to win football games. And every time I look up, it's twenty to six. They're always winning twenty to six every time I tune in. But happy for my Cincinnati Bengals, and I will be at Nissan Stadium in Tennessee this Sunday to watch them trip up those Tennessee Titans again. So I'm looking forward to that. I know that has been a, a point of contention for the Tennessee Titans. They hate the Cincinnati Bengals. Another reason why I'm happy to go up there and perhaps uh, watch them win on a late field goal again.
3: Well, I, yeah, I, I don't think they care for the fact that about – 30,000 Bengal fans invade <laughs> Nashville <laughs> and, uh, you know, going to Bengal Gym's tailgate, which mm-hmm. is uh, becoming more legendary, uh, by the game. Um, what, what were your thoughts on, uh, Alabama and Ole Miss before we, uh, talk to you about Mike, Mike Leach and, uh, your friendship and just your remembrance of, remembrance you know- of Mike Leach?
7: I'm going to go back uh, the week before when Texas had a hard time against Wyoming. You had Georgia had a really difficult time against South Carolina. You know, people need to realize it's a 60-minute ball game. And, you know, you watch Alabama, and I and I put a lot into line spreads. And I know a lot of people like saying that the line spread isn't what a team's supposed to win by. So you get equal money on either side. That's a bunch of hooey. It is exactly what a team should win by. And whenever a team's covering the spread – then you see that spread go up, and that obviously means that team's getting better. For Alabama to actually cover that spread, uh, I, I would have taken the other side. I had a friend of mine that had three dimes uh, on old Miss. He always bets against Alabama. He's the biggest Alabama goober in the world because he does that. So if they win, he's happy, and if they lose, and he can make some money. So I get that. Um, but if you're Lane Kiffin, you got to be thinking to yourself, that may have been the best licking my chops opportunity he's probably going to have in quite some time. And they're sitting there nip and tuck the entire ball game. But, again, Alabama in the second half, um, obviously there's some problems offensively speaking. I know that Jalen Millroy, now that he's the man, and I think, obviously, the more playing time he gets, uh, the better. I was pleasantly surprised how often he ran the football early in that game, but it didn't work. Um but, yeah, just a kind of an ugly, sloppy game. Uh, but, again, if you just look at that second half and move that second half to the first half, Alabama looked like the old Alabama. It, it, it may be more of a, a 3 yards and a cloud of dust Alabama as opposed to that high-flying uh, to a tongue of a low uh, Jalen Hurts type of, of offense that we're so used to seeing. But, obviously, there's a lot of issues that have to be worked out on the offensive side of the ball for Alabama. But right now, they got a victory, and, of course, they're looking forward to going to Mississippi State this weekend as a 14-and-a-half-point favorite, and I kind of like that line.
1: Yeah, if I were going to go one way, I would go with Alabama on that one. Wanted to talk to you about a variety of subjects, but you became really good friends with Mike Leach, and and we all miss him. I heard heard their athletic director just talking so fondly about him, and then you read quotes from Nick Saban. Um, The man was just beloved. Tell us how you got to be so tight, and then tell us the halftime story, because that's my
7: favorite. Yeah, um... I had a, a headhunter who was uh, working with me to, to find me some jobs. He flew me to Dallas and Charlotte, and I went to Atlanta to to work at the game over there for a little bit when I was looking for my next uh, challenge before I started uh, the TKR Radio Network. And he gave me a list of because listen, I got a list of coaches and and, and connex- connections, and, and if you can use them in any way to, to, to make a podcast out of it or, or create a tape or whatever you want to do to it. So he gave me Saban's phone number and he gave me Kirby Smart's phone number, and I had. You know, um, phone numbers of athletic directors from across the country. And there was a the phone number from Mike Leach. And, of course, Mike was out there at Washington State. He was having an enormous amount of, of, of success out there in Pullman. And so I made it a point to text and or call every single coach. He must have given me 16, 17 different numbers. And out of all of those, Mike Leach was the only one that texted me back. And he texted me back almost before I was done going through my list, and he's like, uh, and I basically said, hey, my name is Tony Curry, I've been in sports radio for 30, 40 years, and I'm starting this new thing, and it was wondering, you know, maybe if I could get a conversation with you, and, and I, I basically wrote the same thing to each coach, so they knew who I was, and he was the only one that responded to me, and uh, I called him on the phone, and we had a conversation about 15 or 20 minutes, he was just like he is with everybody, and uh, I was doing something called the Curry and Claypo Show at the time, on a terrestrial radio station here locally in town. And I said, would you mind coming on Saturday night? Well, so we were doing a relationship show. It was not a football show. It was not a sports show. And he said, I'd be happy to come on. I said, now we talk about relationships. He goes, I'll talk about whatever you want. And I said, great. And so he would come on every Saturday night, and we would talk X's and O's and talk about his football team. But then we'd also ask him some other questions about some relationship things and about marriage and about breakups and things like that. And, of course, that was right up his alley. So we had him on every single week, and he had a standing invitation. And depending on when they were playing, because they're on the West Coast, sometimes he'd be walking out of the tunnels. Sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm talking 30 minutes before a ball game. He would keep his appointment with us. And there was one Saturday night, I think it was about 1030, and we hadn't had Mike on. He always called us. And I said, I'm going to call him and find out what's up, to. And, and I called him, and you could hear a lot of noise in the background. And I said, hey, coach, this is Tony. And you're, you're ready for your regular shot? He goes, listen, I only have a few minutes. And I said, that's fine. I said, just, just a couple minutes. And I said, where are you? He said, it's halftime of the Colorado game. <laughs> and I said, pardon me? He goes, we're playing Colorado tonight, you dumbass. And I said, oh. I said, oh. I, said I didn't realize. Yeah. He goes, look at your schedule. And I said, well, listen, man, I don't want to bother you. And he goes, no. He goes, i got about three or four minutes before I have to do TV, and then we're going to (coughs) start the second half. They were up 14 Uh, to 3 at the time. And he said, do you want to do it or not? I said, sure. So we started talking. So that was one of my favorite moments. Another time where I called him, we spoke probably for about 20 minutes. I called him on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, and I, I don't remember why I was calling him on a Saturday afternoon. I think I was just reaching out to him to see how he was doing. He may have had a, a bad loss the week before, and I and I spoke with him for about fifteen or sixteen minutes. We were talking about our families, and he was talking about eating duck sandwiches and how difficult the loss was the previous weekend. And I said, "Okay, well, are you ready to, to to record something?" And he said, "I thought we were already recording." And I said, "No. I said I was just talking to you." And so he was willing to to come off the shelf and talk about his family life and about some of the personal things he had. And we had a conversation for 15, 20 minutes, and I wasn't even rolling tape. And I said, no, I said, I want to ask you about the upcoming game and everything else. And so he was just a sweetheart of a guy. And, and you know, I, 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 I say when I, when I say he's misunderstood, I mean that in a way that he, he just had a huge heart. And he was such a great family guy and just just a quirky, uh, I, should I say eccentric type of guy where uh, there's only a few people in my life where you can say that's Mike Leach being Mike Leach. And that's why he got away with so many things. He did say some things that ruffled some feathers, but you know Charles Barkley's another one. That's Charles being Charles. Charles can say whatever he wants. as Charles being Charles. Michael is one of those guys where you can say that's Mike Leach being Mike, well, Mike Leach. and That's what I loved about him. Uh, I just thought he was a wonderful man. And Of course, we'll celebrate his life and his death coming up a little bit later on in December dead at the age of 51. I still can't believe he's not here.
2: Tony,
3: what, um, just bits of wisdom that Mike passed on to you, uh, that you still embrace today and remember and, and maybe even incorporate into your own life?
7: I think a lot of the things, um, Lars was, was just be truthful and speak, you know, he, he I, I don't want to say he didn't mince words, but he would tell you like it is. And if he didn't have time for you, he was not going to be a passive guy. He was not a passive individual. And probably some of his best sound bites you ever heard were when people were asking about, hey, listen, I'm thinking about getting married this Saturday. What should I, what should I do? And he was like, sleep through it and try to make it to Sunday so you don't have to pull the trigger on that stuff. Knowing that he was a family man and he had a wife and children. Um But he was a good relationship guy. You know, the other thing that I thought was really interesting is I never I never saw or heard him get angry. And you don't see that from a lot of coaches on the sideline. Most coaches that don't get angry aren't usually in a job for very long and I never saw him get nothing really banged him up uh to the point where, you know, he lost his temper. I never saw him throw his headsets, he may have, but I never saw it. And um you know, it was so unfortunate because the last time I had him on our show was about a week before he passed away. And I was doing something with Curry and Claypo, and um, you know, he couldn't stop coughing, and as a matter of fact, I ran that interview on your radio program, when Jay Barker was on, yeah. on the Jay Barker Radio Network, yeah. of, prior to being high noon, and we ran that interview, and you know, he coughed his way to the entire thing and we kept asking him, Are you okay or do you want to cancel this? And he's like, No, I'm fine. And he just kept wheezing. He said maybe you had pneumonia or stuff like that. He was gone I think eight to nine days later. So, um just an amazing individual and, and what a sweetheart of a guy. And again, I cannot believe. Was he ever gonna win a national title? Probably not. He certainly wasn't gonna do that at Mississippi State. And I and I venture to guess that maybe Washington State wouldn't be part of that pack two previously the Pac-4, previously the Pac-10, previously the Pac-12, I, I bet that, that, you know, had he still been there, he brought such a brand name to wherever he went and wherever he coached, whether it was Texas Tech or Mississippi State or Washington State, he always just brought a, brought a great brand and a great notoriety. To him. And, and you knew that he was going to um, bring a, a certain amount of success to those programs. And you're talking about a guy when he was at Washington State and I want to say it was 2014, 2013, he threw the ball 74% of the time. I mean, he did a total total switch on Navy. You know, they throw the ball three times a game. He did a total switch. And here's these quarterbacks. We saw Gardner Gardner Minshew this past week in the National Football League still swinging the football. You know, it wasn't because these guys were throwing the ball 70 times. It's because he had a great brand and he had a great system. He had the air rate system, a system that a lot of SEC teams still can't figure out.
1: John, can you hang through a break and talk about yeah. Auburn and uh, Dion and Prime? Uh, absolutely, kind of
7: absolutely. I sure can.
1: All right. Uh, Tony Curry is our guest if you listen to Big Men Sports. As we go to break, remember the number this hour and your opportunity to win $30,000. The three-digit code is 667. Dial up the Tide 100.9 app, punch in those numbers, and who knows? We might win 30K. Back in a minute.
0: Built to win. Ball game! Alabama wins! Built for championship. Heading for the pylon. Get the race! Wins the race! Cut down, Alabama! Built by Bama. Ooh. Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide heads to Starkville to battle Mississippi State. Our coverage begins at 5 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse.
4: BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: back on Big Gun Sports, presented by Haiti Sands, singing know home mortgage. Our guest is Tony Curry. He's co-host Joe with him. Yes. Rock and roll with him. Yes. We can go on and on and on about our relationship with TK.
7: Tony. We have lots of secrets about yeah. each other, you know, my friend. Oh, that's why I just introduced you and keep going. <laughs> um, Tony,
1: um, Alabama has had a difficult time in the
7: quarterback position. Apparently, it's a move across the state to Auburn, too. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, obviously, they got the loss this past weekend, and now they got this big test against the Georgia Bulldogs. And, by the way, we always talk about smelly fish. I am really surprised. I thought that line would be closer to 18 or 19, so I'm surprised it's only 18 and a half. Um, but uh yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, listen, it's Hugh Freeze's first year and I think we gotta give them uh a lot of room, uh, and a lot of rope. And I think they're probably gonna need a lot of rope. And I had them winning six or seven games this year, and I think if you're an Auburn Tiger fan, you obviously know what Hugh Freeze did against Nick Saban, that you're looking forward to that big ball game at the end of the year. He's one of a handful of coaches, if not maybe one or two, that's ever won back-to-back seasons against Alabama. And I think that's one of the reasons they made that hire. But, um, again, I think it's just a matter of finding themselves and, and getting you know, Hugh Freeze's recruiting class in there and, and using the transfer portal to uh, shore up. But do I think Hugh Freeze is going to have success there? Absolutely. I think it was a better hire than bringing in Lane Kiffin because I think what you get with Lane Kiffin is what you get. I think Hugh Freeze has got more room to grow. Um so I like the hire and I think they're going to be fine but I do think it's going to be a couple 2 3 years down the road before we see what this team's really about.
3: Again Tony let's go back to Alabama and uh just how do you think uh Nick Saban has handled this quarterback situation? Have you were you surprised by the performance of South Florida? I mean there there's a lot to unpack here and just let's just do like big picture your assessment of where Alabama is right now.
7: I think maybe Nick Saban got a little ahead of himself and a little uh, curmudgeon, if you will, when uh, he started Buckner and then he decided to go with Simpson first before But he didn't even put Jalen in that ball game, which was really surprising to me. I almost thought that maybe Bill Rowe was in the doghouse somehow because I could not believe that he didn't get any playing time in that particular game and then... You know, what do you know? The next week he's the starting quarterback and he's the man from this point forward. I think he sees probably the most growth potential in Jalen Delroe, Um, despite the fact that he went particularly good in the first half of that ball game. He did everything he possibly could do to win that football against the old miss the following week. Um but yeah, what do they say when you have three you don't have two? I mean ask you freeze. I mean he said the same thing after weeks one and weeks two, right? You got two quarterbacks, you don't have one, he said, but you know what, if we win it with two, we're gonna keep it with two. Well it didn't work that past week, and more than likely, it ain't going to work against the Georgia Bulldogs this past week, although the UAB Blazers kind of blazed the trail. They put up three touchdowns against that stout defense, which really surprised me, and they got inside that 40 and a half this past week. So, um, but I think, you know, once you know what you got and who you got and who your quarterback is, I think everyone's happier, and I think everything's going to be more compensated from the standpoint forward. Now you can just grow. You don't normally want to have to wait till week four to figure out what you got, but I do think both teams. Both Auburn and Alabama now know where they're at and who they got, and they're going to run with it. Tony, is the
1: best team in
7: college football right now? Oh mercy! Um, it's hard to go against Georgia until they lose a football game, and I just don't think they're going to be doing that. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting teams. I thought, I thought, uh, I thought Oregon looked fantastic this past weekend. I think they had, I think they had a lot on their plate uh, gathering up and going against uh, what everyone was loving as this uh, Colorado miracle. And obviously that ended with a huge thud this weekend. And it's thud number two, part two is coming up this weekend because I, I think USC may put a 70 spot up against Colorado this weekend. Uh, Michigan obviously looks really, really good. Texas, you have to give them this a nod because, I mean, no one thought they were going to beat Alabama. We do a show on uh, ABC 3340 called The Starting Lineup. Kip Kiefer and myself, Tony Curry, do a show every Saturday morning from 1030 to, to 11 o'clock. Watch us. It's a great show. And um, Case Kiefer, who is, is Kip's the son, who works with Las Vegas, son, uh, said to Texas to go to a national champ- championship this year. And, of course, he said that before the season started. And I said, you know, they play Alabama there in the second game of the season. He goes, I know. Well, they end up getting the victory. So. Ohio State, I think, has looked somewhat lackluster. They got Maryland this weekend. I don't think they're going to have a problem there. And another team I think you know is is been very interesting, despite the fact that they only won by two against Boston College. But FSU, um, what a uh, wonderful victory they got this past weekend uh, at Clemson. My son was at that game. Um, and there was no reason why FSU should have won that football game, but somehow they pull it out. Whenever you look at teams that win national titles, man, there's always one or two of those games. They probably shouldn't have won, but they figured out a way to win. So I think FSU, I think Norville is doing a good job there. I think that's going to be another team that a lot of people are going to be looking at, at the end of the year.
3: Just going back to Oregon, one of the great stories of this season is uh, Bo Nix and mm-hmm. how he's emerged as uh, I think right now Vegas has him uh, the third leading Heisman Trophy contender uh, behind Caleb Williams and the uh, quarterback from Washington. Um, just your thoughts on on just again his whole story and uh, in you know having to leave Auburn and. We're still trying to understand why exactly he left Auburn. I, I'm assuming, and from what I've been told, it's, it was mainly his issue with Brian Harson. But uh, again, your uh, sort of just analysis of uh, an assessment of, of Bo Nix.
7: Well, I mean, obviously, you had the lineage there, right? And uh, he was going to be the next coming at Auburn, and now we're seeing him come with someone else. And I think that is going to be. A point of contention where, you know, I think Auburn fans are like, oh, we're so happy to see him go because, you know, but listen, I mean, he's a mix. He should be at Auburn. And the fact that he's put up the numbers, he's putting up 11 touchdowns, one pick right now. The guy is completing nearly 80% of his passes, folks. And we're talking four weeks into the season. This is not a one-game log, 104-131. The guy's only had 27 misses and four think about that he's only throwing twenty-seven, so, and you have to figure pretty much four or five of those are probably drop so what maybe 20 passes this entire season he has not completed and he's working in a in a in a brand and he's working in a in a an in emotion a there at oregon that that they obviously love to throw the football so good for him man congratulations what he's doing he has been just a wonderful story this year in college football he's pretty amazing but 11 touchdowns one pick I'd take that and you can't tell me the Auburn Tigers something wasn't meshing there man something wasn't working there Tony prime time go yep. <laughs> uh you know what we know prime time we know what prime time's all about um you know, i, I got to tell you something. I was rooting for the Rams uh, when they played Colorado State just because, quite frankly, there was only so much primetime I could take. I know what he's all about, and I love primetime. He's the only guy in the history of sports to play for a World Series and a Super Bowl, and he probably should have won one of each. Or he won two Super Bowls. Uh, he's unbelievable. I think he's a great brand, and I think he's done a wonderful job at Colorado, but the party has ended now that they're playing some decent Pac-12 teams. Um but I mean, it's been a great story, man. It's been great for college football. It's been good for college football fans to see what he's done. The fact that he went to 87 players and they were gone, he came back in. He has been masterful at what he's done. And at this point, but there, I forget who it was that was talking on ESPN. He's like he's 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 in Canton. Uh, he played major league baseball, played for uh, you know a World Series, and now we're talking about a potential Hall of Fame coaching career. I'm like a Hall of Fame coaching career. Put the stinking brakes on, man. Pump the brakes just a little bit. We were talking two games into the season. Obviously, he won two games he wasn't supposed to. The Colorado State game, he just gets by, and then it came crashing down this past week. I would I would love to know what he said to his football team. I didn't see it. I'd love to see what he said after his football team after laying a forty two to six egg. I know a lot of people that don't like Dion. I do like Dion and I wish him the best. Um, but there was no way this team was gonna go undefeated after winning one game last year.
3: Tony, before we a let little. you go before we let you go, how how was the uh, striker strong golf tournament with Robbie Glenn on uh, last Friday. You know, we're big supporters of, of Stryker and, and Stryker Strong and Robbie.
7: Lars, Matt, I've have, I have played probably in a thousand golf tournaments and it's by far the best golf tournament I play every year. It is just the best love affair between a father and a mother and a son. It's just a miraculous story. The whole um situation with Tat and Ramen Brown syndrome is just a horrible situation that they have to endure uh, day in and day out, second by second, minute by minute. It's just a beautiful love story and I would implore anyone that gets an opportunity to go to Striker Strong on Facebook and see their story. I know they were on Facebook Live, I guess it was last night, thanking everyone for coming out. But uh, they're 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 using their platform uh, for something that's a beautiful good for, for all of humankind. It's not just about um you know Pat brown syndrome but it's also about other individuals with special needs having a son with special needs of my own i just love what they do and, and my thoughts and prayers are always with them tone uh
1: tell everybody the fifty thousand different platforms you're operating on
7: these days yeah we just started the tony curry radio youtube channel so uh we've got 14 different shows to do on tony curry radio it's tkr Please go to the App Store, whether you're Android, Apple, and just search TKR. The three little letters. You get Classic Rock. We're going through a bunch of software updates and stuff, and our brand-new YouTube channel now. You can actually see our shows and listen to them. We're on the Tony Curry Radio Podcast Network. But TKR, the three letters, download that app, and you'll get Classic Rock to the bone, and I greatly appreciate it. Talk to you soon, Tony. Love you guys. Love you,
5: Tony. Thank you, you, buddy. Uh Uh-huh.
3: All right, Tony Curry, legend. We'll be right back. This is Big News Sports.
6: the
0: next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune
4: in Wednesday.
5: We'll go down to Auburn Talk with Bill Kammer. Find out what's going on with the Auburn Tigers as they get ready for the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll also take your phone calls and we'll try to pick it down to figure out if he's making a decision on the blue plate special to be
4: announced on Thursday.
0: Inside the locker room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com Your biz- Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather the Sky partially sunny this afternoon will maintain the chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through tonight Behind high today 85, tonight slows 68. Tomorrow a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers, possibly a thunderstorm, the high 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: It is indeed Big Noon Sports. Our presenting sponsor is Haley Fencing, Union Home Mortgage. You got Matt, you got Lars, you got Justin, and Lars, I don't know whether to thank you or come over there and back you about the head, but we were talking about Taylor Swift earlier in the show, and of course I had to type in Wikipedia, Wikipedia and see where she was born and see that she was named after James Taylor. Now my entire computer is scrolling nothing but Taylor Swift stuck. <laughs> you know, you know how they re, you know retargeting, right? The yeah. They find something, they latch onto it, and they bombard you. So, anyway, I guess even if I didn't want to listen, here's Taylor Swift celebrating Travis Kelsey's touchdown. Oh man, Kelsey's Woods, this is going crazy, but. Hey, you know, he did catch a touchdown. Did he do well
3: statistically with her up in the uh healthy booth? Yeah, yeah, he he had another good game. Um, but uh look at the uh the T V ratings of that game. Uh it, the Chiefs playing the Bears, 'cause Swift's Taylor Swift's attendance had a notable impact, right? Um The game drew 24.3 million viewers, making it the weekend's most watched NFL contest. So those numbers are down 8% from the same window a year ago. But guess what? The rating showed significant improvement in one demographic. Females ages 12 to 17 up 8% from a year ago. The broadcast also led in female audience in every major demographic, <laughs> and uh, and Kelsey didn't speak to reporters after the game, but he was spotted leaving the stadium with Swift by his side, and then there was a picture taken of them and uh, in uh, uh, leaving the stadium together um with uh, uh Kelsey driving a uh a convertible and Swift in the passenger seat and they, it's a really cool picture it's like they're driving off into the midwestern sunset it, it's really cool um and uh and patrick mahomes did say that he felt that he was under uh, a little pressure to throw a touchdown to kelsey mm-hmm. and, and and they went uh they went off script and uh and and in the third quarter uh mahomes threw him a three-yard touchdown And Mahomes afterwards said, I think he wanted to get in the end zone just as much as all the Swifties wanted him to get in the end zone. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I'm telling you. uh, Yeah. uh, So, yeah. And uh, Taylor Swift, she's currently on break from her Eras tour, which uh, resumes November 9th in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And uh, and look, I, I think, again, the Sunday night game between Kansas City and the Jets, even though Kansas City is going to roll them by about five touchdowns, I think it may go down. It may become the most watched game in regular season history. Because of what? Because of Taylor Swift. And just people want to see if she's going to be in attendance and what she's going to do. And uh, do we get any more clues if, uh what their romantic life is really like? But the thing is, when when Kelsey scored that touchdown, the way she reacted was not just as a fan. That was a reaction of a girlfriend. I mean, it's different. <laughs> and uh, and so it, it's a pretty intriguing storyline.
1: I'm trying to think of others that would rival that. Would uh, a Rod and J Lo? Yeah. Uh, trying to figure out who's worth more. I know it's got to be Taylor Swift. Okay, she's worth seven hundred million, and Travis is worth thirty million. Yeah. Any other Uh, celebrity uh, datings or marriages involving athletes Do you remember?
2: Got to be Beckham, right? And one of the Spice Girls. Isn't that the top? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, That's a good question.
1: Celebrity-wise, have you got them in there, celebrity? Uh, What about a female athlete that dated a famous guy? Any of those? Oh, I guess uh, yeah. Chris Everett, when she was dating Jimmy Connors, yeah, and then Chris Everett uh, went on and married Greg Norman for a brief time.
2: Yeah. Where does Julie, Julie Ertz, it? the the soccer player, um, is married to Zach Ertz, the NFL tight end?
3: Oh yeah, that's right. That's pretty good. And, and who's
2: um,
7: the
1: uh, the what do you call an influencer and also the gymnast at LSU um,
2: oh it's uh, uh, Livy it. Dunn and Paul Skeens are, that's yeah. yeah the baseball players yeah. um, that's not a bad one
1: Skeens um, okay. went number one in the draft didn't
3: he uh, Russell he Wilson did. Russell Wilson in Ciara uh, is that her name yeah
1: uh, is hmm. singer? I'm not. Yeah, I think I. I think
3: I even I've heard of that. But
1: uh, hey, how did they meet?
3: That I don't know.
1: anybody know? Was it at the Arrowhead concert?
2: So I. <laughs> the story is is that Travis Kelsey went to one of the concerts at Arrowhead and wanted to uh, to trade a like I guess they trade bracelets there. Um, Kim's the expert on the Taylor Swift. She's here if we need her. But uh, okay, damn. yeah, get, get Kim okay. on here. Kim, we got a question.
6: Yeah, I got you. What's
3: up? All right, give us the backstory. How did Travis Kelsey meet Taylor Swift?
6: All right. So basically, do you know Taylor Swift did her Eras tour over the summer and the spring, and she had three nights in Kansas City. And Travis Kelsey went to one of the shows in Kansas City and wanted, uh, basically, Taylor Swift's uh, fans traded friendship bracelets, which is a reference to one of her songs. And Travis Kelsey made a friendship bracelet with his phone number on it and wanted to give it to Taylor Swift, but never saw her, like, after the show. So he went on this podcast with his brother and talked about it and t- said he, how he made one and couldn't give it to her and never saw her. And the quote from his podcast kind of went viral, and it made it back to Taylor Swift. And so uh, there were rumors going around a couple weeks ago that they had made contact with each other and all this. And then last week on the Pat McAfee show, uh, Travis Kelsey invited her to Arrowhead Stadium to watch him play, and she ended up showing up on Sunday.
3: Wow, okay, so you really do know this I do know it, yes So is is, uh, Taylor Swift going to be in attendance of the Chiefs-Jets game on Sunday night?
6: I wouldn't be surprised if she was since she does live in New York City
3: Are you a big fan? Do you
6: listen to her a lot, Kim? I do listen to Taylor Swift, yes, I am a Taylor Swift fan
3: Okay, and what is it about Taylor that you like?
6: I mean, I just like her music. I've been listening to her since I was 10 and I'm 26. So uh, I've been listening to her for most of my life. I just can really relate to her music, like literally growing up and stuff like that. I just enjoy her music.
3: Well, I, I do too. And Matt, we got to turn you into a Swifty. So start listening to Taylor Swift.
1: Listen, if I like her music, you can never, ever call me a Swifty. <laughs> Have a great day y'all. We got to get out of here. Have a blessed afternoon. Back in 22 hours.
5: From our home base in Birmingham